Hello and welcome to Raise the Room podcast. I'm your host, Danica. Here at Raise the Room, we are trying to consciously raise our kids, re-raise ourselves, and by doing so, raise the vibe of any room we walk into simply with our authenticity. Now let's get to it. All right, here we go with episode one. I had best laid plans to try and be organized and really knock out a first episode that felt well thought out and planned. And like many things in my life, when something feels new and big and scary, my pattern is to procrastinate. (laughs) And it's funny because no parts of talking or being seen feels scary like it might for many people who are starting a podcast. For me, what felt daunting is the learning how to edit and all of the little bits and pieces around learning how to do a podcast, how to make a podcast that I just don't feel like sitting in problem solving if I'm being totally honest with you. And I know there's probably some type A listener going like, oh, that that stuff's my jam. That's the part that I like. (laughs) And many times a day, I wish I were you. I wish I were a detail-oriented, organized, you know, one step ahead of the game type gal. But those are just not where my gifts lie. So that's how she rolls. So I plan to just let it rip today. My friend Chelsea was like, Danica, just do it. You need to start and try because it's new and big and scary because you haven't done it yet. It's a new skill, so it's going to be awkward and slow and uncomfortable when you first start, but it will get easier and you will get in a rhythm. So you just have to do it. So thank you to my friend Chelsea for that. So as you probably heard in the intro, my name's Danica. And to lay the foundation for this podcast today, I know I need to talk to you a little bit about my story. And even though part of me sort of bristles at that and feels like, oh my God, what are they going to care about who I am? (laughs) I know uh, from years of experience of being a teacher and, you know, human, that you, the listener, are going to need a connection with to me to buy in. We don't learn from people unless we feel a little bit connected to them. So that's my intention for today, for you to kind of figure out a little bit as to who I am and what this podcast is going to be about. So my name is Danica. I am to be 36 in about a month. I am Canadian And I grew up with a wonderful family, very, very lucky in that regard, and I'm so thankful for that. I am an elementary school teacher, but now working in a high school. I am married to a wonderful man named Derek, and I am the mother of two insanely busy, chaotic boys (laughs) that are six and three years old. Like probably most of you, I went through the phases of life, um, you know, this privileged life that I was able to lead comfortably with a loving family, just doing whatever the next step was, going to university, traveling a little bit, you know, finding a partner, getting married, having kids, getting the job, all of those things. I lived very much comfortable with my labels of who I was And I honestly have always been somebody that 
has sort of a natural confidence about them for many aspects and facets of my life. And actually, this is explained by my human design, which this podcast is going to talk a lot about human design, and I'll get into that. Um, And when I heard that, it made a lot of sense for me. But I didn't actually spend a lot of time in my life truly thinking about what gave me joy, who I was, how I wanted to show up. I just sort of relied on that, like, you know, confidence that I had that growing up in a stable family, I think, can give you. And then that all went to shit once I had a kid. (laughs) If I'm being totally honest, the postpartum initiation of my path to self-discovery was real. Um, I wouldn't say that I had postpartum depression, but there was definitely something going on there. And a lot of my behaviors and tendencies that worked for me to a certain degree in my life just no longer could work. I I can now look back at that time and recognize that I was very codependent, very much somebody that people pleased and needed a ton of approval and avoided conflict like the plague. And once you have a child and you're sleep deprived and your world has done a complete 180, you then have to face some shit that maybe you haven't in a while. I will get more in depth as to what that looks like, but it feels like a natural moment right now to talk about the intentions of this podcast. So I had been bumbling along in my life and then motherhood happened and some things needed to change. So my intentions for this podcast are to kind of share my learnings since starting to become somebody who really looked inward to try and understand themselves and to share my learnings as what I feel works well uh, for parenting and maybe just even to share insights and truths and share some hilarious moments that we all have parenting because we know this this is a wild ride. It's a friggin' trip being a parent. <laughs> and I am hoping to do this by sharing just bits of my life and weaving in this obsession that I now have with human design and how it really has helped a lot of the puzzle pieces fit into place for me. And I'm going to be honest, I want to do all of this with fun and humor and some levity. Like, I don't want to spend my time being a really conscious parent that takes themselves too seriously. This self-development stuff can get real heavy and it can get real serious, but I just don't feel like that is the purpose of being here on this planet. I think there's no better medicine than laughter. That old cliche to me really holds true. So I'm hoping to touch on all of these subjects and come to you each episode with some levity and humor because honestly, I think that's the only way to face all of the things that we're going through. So my husband and I bring home our eldest son, Bowen, six years ago now. And I had spent the majority of my pregnancy just being like, I'm just going to go with it. I'm not, I'm not going to come up with a birth plan. I just want to be open. And I can now look back and say I was fucking frozen with fear and refused to think about the birth because I was so scared and wouldn't even admit it to myself. Went in to 
a labor of being induced 10 days late and then nothing happening. And then eventually it ended up in a C-section. And I honestly say I can look back now like my body was frozen into place. I also had a baby that was probably too big for my body and he was sunny side up. So nothing was happening. But I kept him locked in there subconsciously because I was like, "Ooh, this birth experience. No, thanks. I don't think this is going to happen for me. And then, you know, after three days of no sleep from being induced and laboring, um, we had a baby and all of a sudden I had to feed it. And it was the first baby on both sides of the family. We had an endless, you know, open door of visitors to the hospital and the nurses would come and be like, you have to feed your child. And I was like, oh, sorry, like I was visiting with grandpa and breastfeeding didn't take. I mean, as often it happens with C-sections that the milk didn't come in. And I also just was like distracted and not focused. I, I honestly cringe talking about this. <laughs> Going back to those days, I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing with the baby. And I kept just being like, I think instincts are going to take over. But, you know, and they do. Don't get me wrong. They do. But definitely there was a ma- massive lack of preparation and a massive lack of um or a massive fear that was, I guess, holding me back from being intentional uh, about the whole process. I was not ready, just to say the least, despite the fact that I had all the things going for me. We were set, as I say with air quotes, with all the things that you traditionally might want, you know, like a house and a partner and some sort of financial comfort. And yet I was mentally so unprepared. And then breastfeeding was a big, fat struggle. I mean, if you want to think about somebody who wants to avoid conflict, just try birthing a child, them not feeding, and then not sleeping and being nice to your partner (laughs) and being reasonable and being logical. I mean, if those first six months didn't teach me something about conflict, then I don't know what, what did because... That was so hard. This lack of sleep was so hard. Oh my God, just the the nights of, and the trying and the not wanting to give formula and being emotional about it. And oh my God, the cracked nipples, you guys, the cracked nipples, like the horrors, you know? And I originally just thought I was going to have like a sleeping little baby and I'd feel sort of tired, but it was completely different than that. And I share all of this to say that all of a sudden it became very clear to me that the way that I dealt with things was not going to work. I was turning to everybody for advice. I was trying to get everybody's approval for what I was doing instead of just making a decision. I was listening to every, you know, friend, aunt, relative about how they did things and then would feel lesser than because I wasn't doing that. And it just became so unmanageable to be somebody that everybody approved of and running on very little sleep meant that obviously I was not processing everything that was going on in a healthy (laughs) healthy and helpful way so those first few months were really tough like my people pleasing tendencies were so high and it's funny because I would still get pissy about things like I would still want to agree to what people were offering or saying but then afterwards I go back home and be like stewing and be miserable and there's so much coming at you I remember one family picnic early early on my son was only a few weeks old and I had one aunt come up to me and go like 
Danica, he's, you got to put a blanket on him. He's going to be cold out here. There's, there's a wind. It's like a sunny summer day. And she wraps him in a blanket. Next time I look over, he's with a different aunt and she comes up to me and she hands me the blanket. She's like, he's just so hot. You definitely don't need to have him have a blanket right now. And I mean, in that situation right now, I would just laugh at the situation and be like, well, this is ridiculous. This is exactly what parenthood feels like sometimes. But instead, I'd go home and be frustrated or bitter about how there is so much coming at you instead of just being able to say in the moment like, hey, I think he's fine as is. Or because he was the new baby, we had lots of visitors. And I remember one time a family member Um, I knew they were coming over, but they brought somebody with them and they didn't tell me they were bringing somebody and it was a male family member they were bringing. And I'm sitting topless on the couch, like fresh early days. I'm talking, I'm still using a nipple shield to breastfeed (laughs) and they're trying to bring somebody up into our living room. And I'm like, no, 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 not yet, please. And I share this example because instead of just being truthful with these people in my life that I love who would get it and just be like, hey, I have no problem you coming over, but if you're going to bring somebody, you got to let me know. I got so internal about it and I would just mentally stew and feel like I couldn't say something because I was so afraid of some sort of rejection or some sort of opinion about me not being able to handle it. And it's so ironic because I was not handling it. Like the lack of sleep and the difficulty with breastfeeding and just your life taking a 180, I was not handling it well. I remember one night literally turning over to my husband sobbing and I was like, will I ever sleep for eight hours again? (laughs) So dramatic, but it's so hard in the moment. And so it was just this slow uncovering of all of the ways in which I could not handle my shit that I was being faced with. Like having a baby, like they say, having a child is a mirror. And so over that first year of motherhood, I really started to like think about, okay, what's going on here? And I started going to to counseling to try and sort of talk it out but I was very much still focused on other people and blaming other people's actions and I was obsessed with understanding what was going on but I wasn't really obsessed with making any changes I just wanted to know to wrap my head around it the problem with that is I was constantly looking elsewhere looking outwards instead of looking within to see why I was attracting these situations, why I was attracting situations where I felt like I couldn't speak my needs to people. So, you know, you learn some new skills and and started to try and like draw and create some boundaries that I felt comfortable with. But it still, there still was part of me that just absolutely needed the approval and when like boundaries weren't well received or when I felt like I was letting myself get the short end of the stick. I just mentally stewed and stewed and stewed. And my poor husband had to listen to me constantly whining about things. And I just wanted him to agree with me. And when he wouldn't, because sometimes he'd be like, you're being ridiculous. You just need to say X, Y, Z. I'd be like, me, and pissy about it. But things went on like that for a while. And then three years later, we had our second child. And that was the beginning of the true start of a massive initiation in me trying to figure myself out. I'm really excited and honored to say that today's episode is sponsored by Van Isle Hairstyle, a hair care and accessory brand that 
promotes healthy hair and is home to the original zipper scrunchie and silk heatless curl set. Amanda, the founder of Van Isle Hairstyle, is the epitome of a manifester in human design. She was going for a run one day and didn't have anywhere to put her keys, so she followed her manifester urge when she got home and sewed herself the zipper scrunchie, and thus Van Isle Hairstyle was born. Beyond adorable accessories like clips, claws, and scrunchies, she now creates her own shampoo and conditioner, scalp scrub, and more. Her products are paraben, sulfate, silicone, and phthalate-free, cruelty-free, and vegan. I swear only a manifester would decide to make her own shampoo. You guys, the scalp scrub is an absolute must, and I also love her shampoo and conditioner. My hair feels so clean and silky after, and it smells really, really good. I can't finish this ad without talking about the heatless curl set, however. This is a game changer for your hairstyle. Zero heat and you have beautiful beachy curls that last all day. It's a regular in my routine. For Raise the Room listeners, Amanda has gifted you a 15% code to use on her website, vanislehairstyle.com. That's V-A-N-I-S-L-E-H-A-I-R-S-T-Y-L-E.com. Just use the code RTR15 to claim. That's RTR15. So let's raise the room with a good hair day. Thanks, Amanda. I actually had got a psychic reading for the first time in my life, a psychic email reading by Mystic Michaela. (laughs) If you follow her online, she's massive now. She's an aura reader. I had been following her for a while because she popped up on um, people's podcasts. I was like an avid Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise watcher. I don't really watch it anymore. I can't, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> it's it's taken a turn, but I watched everything. I listened to all the podcasts. It was such a guilty pleasure that I loved. And Mystic Michaela was somebody that was like in their sphere. And so I'd been tracking her for a while. And finally, I just was like, I'm doing it. I'm spending the money I don't have. And I'm getting this psychic reading. What does this woman have to say for me? And her reading um, appeared in my inbox at 4.44 a.m. one morning. And I was waking up to nurse six months into my second postpartum journey, one that went a lot smoother because I understood myself. I had, you know, obviously um, really battled through the breastfeeding the first time around. And so breastfeeding the second time was much easier. It's almost like I laid a foundation and our baby just came into a much more peaceful, well-rested situation. And it was just easier, honestly. Um, it It was not my first rodeo and it worked much better. So I was six months in and got this email reading that absolutely, it was one of those moments where I read it and my life changed in that moment. I mean, this woman knew things about me that she could not have possibly known. So two things happened. She made me see myself in a way that I hadn't seen myself before. And I'll get to that. But also I was being exposed to this other realm where I was like, how the fuck does she tap in to that? Like where, what is she doing? What is happening? And I was somebody that grew up in not a religious household. I had kind of a typical Canadian story that way in the sense that like my parents didn't really take us to church, didn't have any affiliation and, and, you know, openly sort of, um, sometimes questioned organized religion, like not in any sort of serious way. I mean, I know that 
they were never judgmental of of other people's decision and and really kind of openly talked about how the community aspect of it was so beautiful but they did definitely um just feel that organized religion was not for them and so I grew up in that type of household so I never really gave any sort of spirituality another thought I honestly didn't know what I believed didn't know if I believed in reincarnation didn't know if I believed in heaven and hell didn't know you know like if I felt like there was another presence I just never really sat down to think about it and never really sat down to connect with that part of myself that wondered about the bigger picture in life So this reading sort of cracked open those two things. The reason why it made me see myself differently is she right out the gate was like, your team is like, you are serving everybody else's realities except your own. You are not thinking about what gives you joy, what you want out of the situation that we call life. And I was like, man, that is so... (laughs) true. I know that laughing with my friends gives me joy. I know that eating good food gives me joy, but I actually don't really know if I've ever stopped and thought about like what is authentically me. And so I started on this sort of journey to figure out like what were the things that I enjoyed? What were the things that were just for me? that I had interests in and wanted to learn about. She also told me that I had what's called an indigo aura. (laughs) I was a single color aura, most people are too, and I was the most sensitive and psychic and absorbing of all of them. And so I take on other people's stuff all the time and try and bend myself to make things work for them and be likable and I'm extremely sensitive. I mean, all things I already knew about myself, but hearing it reflected back in like what she could see around me in a picture was like, whoa. And it made me really kind of stop and think about how, yeah, you know, you do need alone time because you're absorbing all of the time. You're taking in everything that's going on around you in the room and almost making it your responsibility. So that was the first step in me, um, starting to kind of not just understand that's what I needed because I think that happened with my first child but being okay with asking for it being okay with needing the alone time not feeling shame and being okay if people weren't okay with it that was the real change was there wasn't the mental groveling after it was just like no I need this okay and it's okay I've got two kids now like there's no room for me to worry about other people's feelings if they are upset that we're gonna miss you know whatever upcoming event it is or that we have to leave early or whatever so that helped put a lot of things into perspective for me and then I was obsessed with figuring figuring out everybody else's aura in my life too But like I said, that other part of me where it kind of cracked open this idea of something bigger at play in our lives, that's where I found myself looking. Like that's where I found myself intriguing, sort of following these pings of joy. Like what is she talking about? What are other psychic readers like? Auras, like, hmm, astrology eventually got into human design and It's funny that I think about it now because when I think back to me as a kid, I was actually obsessed with astrology and horoscopes. I got given um, this birthday astrology book when I was seven. Each 
page, like 365 pages of the year, did a full profile on your astrological blueprint if you were born on that day. And I was obsessed with knowing like all of my friends' birthdays so I could look them up. And it's funny because that is literally my life now as a human design reader. (laughs) I want to know your birth details like stat so I can get into what you, what your type is and who you are in your inner workings. So that glimmer was always there. But it really just got me going on looking into all of these different things. I eventually kind of found myself going towards Oracle decks. And then I was giving people readings and I was actually like really good at it and found this sort of other thing that was just for me and felt really aligned with who I was as finally accepting myself as a hypersensitive, really absorbing person. And tapping into that felt so good and so natural. And it it opened my eyes up to what I believed in and sort of a a new sense of spirituality, which it's funny because I actually cringe even saying spirituality, but the way that it feels for me was just sort of believing in something bigger and trusting and trusting, (laughs) simply put, trusting that. And eventually getting into doing readings and getting into this world sent me on a path to finding human design. And that was like being given a key to a door that I didn't know I needed to open. (laughs) Human design was the piece of the puzzle to understanding myself that helped everything that I had been learning about land. I found out I was a projector. Us projectors are about 20% of the population, so not a majority We are people that need, genuinely need more rest than others. (laughs) And hearing that was like, yeah, this is why the lack of sleep as a parent has been so crippling for me. It was absolutely crippling. I was so tired and couldn't function and like looked around so many of my friends and was like, how are you doing this? Like, I know you're tired, but you don't seem as tired as me. What the hell is going on? And even thinking back to when I was a little girl, We lived in a small town, a ferry ride away from Vancouver, a big city near us. And we would go back to school shopping in Vancouver. We'd go in for a day trip, my mom, my sister, and I, and we'd get our back to school clothes, go to a big mall. And after like two hours of shopping the mall, I was spent. Like I could not go on. I needed food. I needed rest. I could not do a full day of shopping. And it was always the joke. Like my mom would be like, what was going on with you? Now I know she's a manifesting generator and that hustle and bustle, like she just, she was in it and it was good. She could go and sustain and I could not. And, or for example, when my university girlfriends and I, so I went and I lived at University of Victoria with one of my high school friends in the dorm the first year. And the first like week of classes, me and my friends were like, we're going to pull an all nighter and, and do our readings, which... You could tell we were newbies because we were actually still doing the readings. (laughs) I think that was the last time I ever did the readings that first week of school. But we were like, we're going to just like stay up all night together. And our our friend, our neighbor, who quickly became our friend, Megan, came over and we were going to pull an all-nighter to read and study together. I passed out at 1 a.m. Like I had never in my life successfully pulled an all-nighter. I don't know what I was thinking, why I thought I could do that. I crashed at 1 a.m. And then it was a joke because I was sick the rest of the week. Like I could not hang. I could not handle pulling an all-nighter. And so just all of these like 
things like that, these memories like that came floating back to me once I learned I was a projector and was like, yeah, I cannot, could not keep up and was always looking around to others and was like, man, like, how do you do this? You know, and I now know what I was looking at was a lot of, you know, 70% of our population are generator types and they do have a consistent thrum of energy and that they can draw on. So that self-comparison is real because you see these people operating in a way that our society actually really approves of, but doesn't work for you. And you're just constantly trying to be that and it's not working. So understanding my projectorness was just an absolute permission slip to be who I was and stop self-doubting. Yeah, I need more rest. Yeah, I need more alone time. And the gifts that it came with too, like really validated something for me. Projectors really see things from a big picture perspective. They have these like insights that come from astute observation. When projectors focus on something, it's called having a projector spotlight. Like we can shine and see into things. It can also be seen as some people really understanding like, intricate systems really naturally. I mean, my husband's a perfect example of this. He's a projector and I mean, the man can, he's an electrician and he knows like the inner workings of all motors and, you know, he has to like check smoke alarm systems in a building and he'll remember like the layout of a building from three years ago. He's, he's insane that way, but it just comes naturally to him. That's one of his projector gifts, being able to see into a system really clearly. So I got to learn, you know, the positive sides of being a projector too that felt really true to who I was. So then quickly I looked into becoming a reader and I was obsessed with knowing all of the people around me and that felt really natural. And then when it all really came to a head was when I connected trying to understand my kids who were so different from me and my husband through the lens of human design. Because up until that point, like, Before I was a mom, I was a teacher in an elementary school classroom. I really thought I knew my shit. I was like, I'm going to be this type of mom and I'm going to do this, that, the other thing. Then you have a child who is strong-willed or not like you, or just you have a child in general and you realize how different it is actually parenting than being an outside observer to parenting. I always say I was an excellent parent before I became a mother. (laughs) And so... I really was humbled and a lot of my strategies that worked in the classroom, a lot of my understandings of what it meant to guide and foster a young child just did not ring true to having to be a mother and faced with a toddler and all of these things that creep up when you're being challenged by this little human that you created. Human design and looking through the lens of human design and understanding who my child was And seeing him clearly through that blueprint as opposed to who I expected him to be was a shift that I am forever grateful for. Actually, it it dawns on me. I mean, probably if you found yourself here, you have an idea as to what human design is, but I should just interject for a moment and say human design is almost like astrology in the sense that it's a unique personality profile that is based on the time and location of your birth. It's a little wackadoodle, and when people ask me, like, how does it work, I am often like, yeah, anyways, uh, avoid the question, (laughs) because it's wild. Um, It's based on, like, ancient wisdoms, like like astrology and like the um, chakra system and like the I Ching 
but also mixed with modern science and, you know, particles coming to the earth from the alignment of the universe called, I think, vitriols or something, and how that impacts your energetic makeup. It's wild, but all I can know, all I can say is the proof is in the pudding and it's so accurate and I have found it to be so accurate and my clients have found it to be so accurate. It's hard to deny, honestly. So then it led me to what I do now, which is helping parents understand their kids and themselves through the lens of human design, just talking about parenting in general and honestly, just being a person that I've decided to get curious about myself and my patterning and trying to shift that. Stopping like blaming people on the outside and trying to look inwards. Don't get me wrong. I still love me some approval. I still hate me some conflict, but I'm so much more prepared now and more equipped to handling that because I've done the inner work. I've looked at who I am and I'm continuing to do the inner work and also just like I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. I know it's going to be an ever evolving process, but it's been so gratifying and worth it. And learning about my human design and kind of dabbling in my idea of spirituality, if you will, and just really like leaning into what felt natural and standing my ground in that and not having the endless self-comparison loop, the mental the mental loop has been so freeing. Even at the beginning, I talked about how like being a type A organizer just is not my gifts. Like don't look to me for the details, everybody, because I will not help. <laughs> I will not be of good use to you. But that used to be such a, sh- a source of shame and being um, somebody that was an elementary school teacher, you are surrounded by type A people with their classrooms that are perfectly organized and their binders and their folders and, you know, the organized lists and, and some of the best elementary school teachers really thrive on that shit. You know, it's like they're label makers. Oh my God, people with a cricket. Oh my God. I need you in my life, but I don't understand you. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I understand you. I just could never be you. So thank you if you're one of my friends with a cricket that I rely on. Um, but I just like it's just not me. Um, I wish it were me, though. Like I, I definitely in the elementary school classroom floundered a bit. There's so many pieces that you have to organize and keep afloat. And my gifts lied in making connections with kids in that rapport that I had with them in like being a leader in the classroom dynamic and creating a safe space for kids to be. That is where my gifts were. And I knew I was a good teacher in that regard, but I was constantly falling short on all of the other little organizational aspects. You know, like the secretaries were like, Danica, can you send your attendance in, please? (laughs) Or collecting the field trip money and all the friggin' notices that go home, like all that external stuff that had nothing to do with looking at the child in front of me and seeing what they needed, I was terrible at all that other stuff. And I felt bad about it. I was constantly beating myself up. I was constantly trying to come up with new systems to make things work for me and like copy other people's systems who made it look easy. And it's exhausting. Like it's hard to even explain now how hard it was because it's all internal. It's a constant 
self-comparison loop. Okay, well, when I when I get better at being organized, this is going to be easier. When I get better at doing that, if I just do things their way, then I can do this. Oh, they don't. I And then even the worrying about people seeing me as unorganized, my ego not wanting to be viewed as somebody who couldn't handle it and trying to cover that up. Instead of just now, I'm like, yeah, that's, I need help with that stuff. Like I need to put systems in place so that things are organized for me and I get to do the least amount of work possible. And so now I can let my other gifts shine and that's okay. I'm not going to be able to be everything. And I think letting go of that perfectionism, I mean, God, it is still a work in progress. Don't get me wrong. But those of us that grew up as good girls, you know, the good girl complex is real being everything for everybody it's just a fast track to burnout. And I think becoming a parent and being a projector and being so goddamn sleep deprived really led me to burnout very quickly. And it was like, you know, sink or swim, you got to change your shit or it's not going to work. Also, my apologies if my swearing is bothering you. I just, I'm letting her rip. And sometimes it just feels better to say the bad words (laughs) than it does to like say the fluffy words because I'm spilling my my guts, my heart and soul out for you. So that comes with a little bit of fire, I guess I should say. So human design has really helped me quiet the mind and quiet that self-comparison loop. And I plan on this podcast, I'm going to do some interviews with people. And when I do, I'm going to do a brief little reading of their human design so that you can hear what it's all about and get a glimpse of what a session with me would look like. And so for now, I'll do that for you. I've explained my some of my projectorness. There's so much more to talk about here, but as episodes go on, you're going to glean a lot because I will constantly be re- referring back to human design things. Um, but I'll also explain another part right now about myself, which is the profile. The profile in human design is like our personality profile, and it's Uh, comprised of two numbers. So mine is a two and a four. There's 12 possible combinations that you can be and I am a two four. In human design lingo, the two four profile is called the hermit opportunist. (laughs) And actually online, um, one of the more popular chart generators, because how you get your human design is you just sign on to a free chart generator online and put in your birth details and you'll get to see things like your type and your profile may not give you the explanation of them, but then you find a reader, you like me, and come uh, get a session done or you, you know, there's a ton online. Google is the wild, wild west of human design though. Like some of the information's a little bit insane, but definitely you can get into some of your own research for it. Um, But the other name that has been coined is the easy breezy genius for the two four. I think I like that one better than the hermit opportunist. (laughs) But hermit opportunist is the true human design lingo. So we'll go with that. And each number, the two and the four, are their own unique profiles. And then when they come together, they create their own sort of synergy that explains your personality. So the two side of me, the first number is always your internal soul. It's kind of like in astrology where it's your sun sign. It's like how you view your, view yourself. It's your inside world. And then the second number is your external self, how you present to the world and how people view you. So the two is somebody who needs a lot of alone time. Hermit. They need a place to retreat to, which is like 
also heightened by the fact that I'm a projector and projectors need a lot of alone time too. Um, And the two also is somebody that comes to this world with natural gifts. They can't really explain how or why they know certain things, but they just do. And they have a hard time seeing what those gifts are in themselves. They need people to reflect those gifts back to them. And then the four is is totally different in the sense that the four is like a networker. You get your best opportunities through the relationships in your life and the quality of your relationships really determines the quality of opportunities you're given. And so your people are crucial to you. You want depth in relationships. You don't want a ton of friends. You want really a few good friends and you know which people are meant for you almost in instantly you've been given kind of the gift of discernment when you're a four as to who you can sniff out who's going to be a good friend you know at the party I'm the one going deep with somebody in the corner (laughs) that's what I like to do that's my jam somebody that I connect with so needless to say I live in an innate state of tension where I need a lot of alone time but I also need a lot of time with my people and learning that about myself was like yes (laughs) Yes, that makes so much sense. Um, When I lived in a house full of university girls, five of us together, like I needed the space of my room to retreat to. I could not, I could not be out with them at all times. And then I would try and force it and then I'd get miserable. And oh man, my university girlfriends, the fact that they still like me is, is really amazing. I was going through it at that time, but that's a story for another day. That learning about my profile clarified a lot of things for me too. And then there's more. There's so much more to learn. My authority called my splenic authority, which is how I best make decisions and how my intuition operates in sort of whispers and innate knowings and pings. And those pings are how I'm meant to make decisions. That explained a lot too. There's just so much to be gleaned from your human design profile. And honestly, like this is just a total surface covering. These charts can get very complex and intense. And I won't even pretend to tell you that I'm uh, a full master of knowing it all. I'm not. I'm really good at the basics. And the basics can give you so, so much. And it's something that I continue to learn from and am going deeper all the time with. Finding all of this out about myself and then learning that I have two generator type boys who drain me to no end and who have the opposite energetic makeup that I do was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense why this feels harder for me than it does for a lot of people. And there's nothing wrong with that. My boys, man, they are just two beautiful little crazy wild souls that I love so much. So, so much. You know that like heartbreaking, aching love that us parents have. But at the same time, understanding them and appreciating how different they are sometimes as parents can be challenging because we have this idea of how we want to parent and who we want to like mold and that's been my biggest takeaway with human design is like our kids are not here for us to mold man they come in themselves and they quickly let you know who they are (laughs) and you've got to work around it and I, I don't want to change and mold who they are. I want them to be who they are and live in an environment in our house where they feel safe to be who they are and that the guidance comes from and the molding maybe comes from a place of helping them just hone who they naturally are in a way that keeps them regulated and feeling like themselves. Learning all of this has helped me 
kind of come to this place where I feel like I have a mission statement as a parent of like, I want to parent the child that I have, not the child I expect them to be. And I think that it has also helped me come to a place where I realize like, I want to try and consciously parent these kids. I want to question what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how it's helping them, how it's not helping them. Am I just doing this because of my own shadow? Am I doing this because it's what I was told to do? Or do I truly believe in the decisions that I'm making that me and my husband are making? I'm saying I, but obviously it's a total joint effort and trying to come together with him on how we want to parent has been one of my greatest lessons and I think growth opportunities as I'm sure a lot of you can relate to. So here we are. (laughs) I've now blabbed on for quite a few minutes about myself and what I hope gives you a clearer idea of what I want this podcast space to be. I really look forward to us delving into topics together and for me to have a space to just kind of long form get my thoughts out. I regularly do talking head stories on Instagram where I'm sharing things that I think and have learned. But this podcast has felt like a natural next step to be able to get my thoughts out in a way where I'm not limited to the minute story. I'm always very conscious of not having too many stories because I hate... (laughs) I hate seeing that on other people's like, I don't got time to watch 20 of your stories today. I'm sorry. I got to be quick and move on. I'm on mom life here. So I'm very excited to see where this takes us. And I don't think I've said it in my pre-recorded outro, but if you ever want to send questions, I'm totally open to answering questions here on the podcast. Send an email to raisetheroompod at gmail.com. And I will try and answer. And I just want to thank you for spending some of your time with me here today. And I hope that you continue to tune in and share when you can share with somebody who you think might like this. And I hope that you hold some trust in me that I will learn to muddle through and figure the shit out of how to get a podcast out on time with all the little type A details that I struggle with to do so. And I want you to remember that when you lean into who you naturally are, you bring so much to the table and that here at Raise the Room, we are trying to consciously raise our kids as best we can. And in doing so, it raises up ourselves. It gives us that magnetic quality when we walk into a room that we're just ourselves and people are like, hey, who's that? You have so much to offer that I want you to always remember when you step into that room that you, as you are, will raise the room. Thanks, and I look forward to chatting soon. Bye. Thank you so much for spending your precious time here with me today. If you'd like more, please follow along at raise.the.room on both Instagram and TikTok. Or you can go to my website, danicamarie.com. That's Danica with a C. Here you can book a human design session with me for you or your child. Or you can get one of my human design parenting courses that helps you understand your child's human design type. They're designed to help you work with the child you have instead of against them. And finally, if you're still here, this would be the point where I'd ask you to rate and review the podcast. Except just saying it out loud makes me want to die. So instead, I'll say, please share with a friend. I'd really appreciate it. 
And finally, let's always remember that with all that you have to offer, you will always raise the room. Can't wait to chat soon. Bye.